following along in your own Heidelberg Catechism as we're going through the Catechism. But last Sunday we did question, Lord's Day 7, and if you're following along, you realize that I skipped one question and answer at the very end, and I saved it for tonight. Because the last question and answer of Lord's Day 7 is simply asking what it is that we believe, and it gives the words of the Apostles' Creed. And I wanted us to recite those together tonight. So if you're able to stand again and recite the words of the Apostles' Creed with me as our statement of faith tonight, would you join me in doing so? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may go ahead and be seated. Tonight we're going to talk for a while about Numbers. We're going to do some math here tonight. And I've told you before, I'm more of a word person than a numbers person. Uh, some of you I know love numbers. That's not my strong suit. I, I worked for a guy in college who hated words and loved numbers. And believe it or not, we got along pretty well. But he was, he was so good at numbers that he would transliterate letters into numbers. He gave each letter, their number characteristic, and would write all in numbers and could read the written word in numbers. Um, but I worked for him, and he would often take two of us students when we had some time to kill. He'd give one of us a, a calculator, and uh, the other one, he'd say, okay, give us any, any numbers up to three digits, multiply or divide, I don't care, and I will race the person with the calculator. And so I would say, okay, 357 divided by 37. And in an instant, he could say, that's 9.64864, round up to the 9. Before he could even punch the numbers into the calculator. He was that good with numbers. I started getting confused with numbers back when they brought letters into math. You know, it's supposed to be numbers, and they brought letters in. And then my kids, at elementary school, when they started doing math, it was a whole different system, some lattice way of multiplying. I couldn't even help them in third grade. I was, I was lost already. But tonight we're going, to do, we're going to do a little bit of math, and we're going to do math God's style. See, in God's world of math, one doesn't always equal one. Instead, in God's math, one equals three. Because we're to Lord's Day 8, which, which is really an introduction section to the Apostles' Creed that we just read. Remember last week, Lord's Day 7, we were, we were looking at what is that, that true faith that we must believe and 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 that we must hold to in our head and our heart. And, and it says, here it is in the Apostles' Creed. Now, in question and answer 24 and 25 of the Heidelberg Catechism that we're looking at tonight, it opens up the whole world of God's math to us. But let's read those two questions and answers together. I'll read the answer. Um, I'm sorry, the question. Would you join me in the answer? Here's, here's number 24 and 25. How are these articles, the articles of the Apostles' Creed, how are these articles divided? Into three parts. God the Father and our creation. God the Son and our deliverance. 
God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. Since there is but one God, why do you speak of three? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because that is how God has revealed himself in his word. These three distinct persons are one true eternal God. Okay, when we talk about God, we talk about one God in three persons. And we refer to that as the Trinity. Very good. These, these questions are what will ask about the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Often a controversial, often confusing truth. Right? Because you won't find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. Do your search online or whatever you want. You won't find the word Trinity anywhere in Scripture. But you'll find plenty of evidence in Scripture supporting the fact of this three in one. In fact, there's a number of Bible passages that give biblical evidence of, of the Trinity. Just think about a few of these, right? Go back to Genesis chapter 1, the very start of the Bible. The first two verses of the Bible where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there at creation, you have God the Father, the Creator, and you have God the Spirit. And you add those to the first two verses of of the Gospel of John, right? That takes us back to creation and says, in the beginning was the Word. We know that was Jesus, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And you've got Jesus, Father, Son, and Spirit, right at the very beginning. Think to Jesus' baptism. The three persons of God, again, make a common appearance in Matthew chapter 3. It tells us that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. So you have the person of Jesus, the Son. You have the Spirit in the form of the dove. And you have the voice of the Father all together. Jesus himself talked about his relationship with God the Father and his relationship with God the Spirit. Matthew 28, he gives his disciples the great commission. Remember that command? He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and 15, read those chapters sometimes, because he explains there in those chapters, he explains to the disciples these, these th- how these three persons of God all work together. Right In John 14, Jesus explains how he, the Son, spoke to them in person, but God the Father will soon send the Holy Spirit to continue that teaching and to, to remind them of Jesus the Son. And then in, in chapter 15, He points out the Holy Spirit, the counselor who comes from the Father and whose job it is to point out the truth of the Son. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul continues God's threeness in his blessing to the Corinthians. Right, 2 Corinthians, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you combine all of these evidences of God's three persons with his, with his clear declaration that there is just one God, right? The most obvious being back in the Shema from Deuteronomy 6 that God's people said daily 
in the Old Testament, right? It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And there's clear biblical evidence of the Trinity, right? The confessions, the confessions that we hold to as, as Christian and Reformed people strongly affirm that biblical evidence, right? The Apostles' Creed that we just read, its very structure affirms the Trinity. Each of the three paragraphs begins Father, Son, Spirit. The Nicene Creed follows the exact same pattern. Then comes the Athanasian Creed that, my guess has been a long time since you've read the Athanasian Creed, right? Because half of its lengthy content deals with just this very issue, with the Trinity. In fact, let me just read for you just a little bit of it. Put it up on the screen too for you, I think, so you can follow along if you wish. It, it says, and this is just a little piece of it. It says, we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another and that of the Holy Spirit still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Spirit is one. Their glory equal. Their majesty co-eternal. What qualities the Father has, the Son has, and the Spirit has. Thus the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yet there are not three gods. There is one God. Thus the Father is Lord. The Son is Lord. The Holy Spirit is Lord. Yet there are not three lords, but there is one Lord. And it goes on to affirm again and again both the threeness of God's person and the oneness of God's essence. So the fact of the Trinity, clearly demonstrated in Scripture, affirmed in our creeds and confessions. And yet knowing that fact doesn't give us a complete understanding of how it all works, does it? There's still discussions, there's still debates, there's still differences on exactly how to understand this trinity, this three in one. In fact, back when, when these creeds and confessions were first written, when they were just being, trying to figure this all out, people were killed, both for their understanding and misunderstandings about the trinity. You know, we can probably more easily state what the trinity is not than what it is. It is not three separate gods. Okay? There's only one God. It is not God developing and changing over time, kind of growing up, right? Some would say that in the Old Testament, he's, he's God the Father, and then he transitioned to be God the Son for 33 years, and then he transitioned to be God the Holy Spirit now. God doesn't transform over time. And he's not God who just takes on different modes at different times. Sometimes Father, sometimes Son, sometimes Spirit. He's all of them at all times. But when it comes to understanding how the Trinity does work, we need to, we need to come at it ultimately relying on faith. Right? In fact, one author in Christianity today, he wrote this. He wrote, explain the Trinity we can't even begin. We can only accept it. A mystery disclosed in scripture. It should be no surprise that the triune being of God baffles our finite minds. We should be surprised rather if we could understand the nature of our creator. He would be a two-bit deity, not the fathomless source of all reality. 
Right? We keep on trying to understand God. But we need at the very start to recognize and admit that we will not be able to completely figure it out. We will not be able to fully explain and comprehend the Trinity until we experience God in his glory, in his very presence. All of our best explanations will fall short. I love, I've quoted this before, Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite authors. His perspective on us being able to completely understand God He wrote this. He wrote, theology is the study of God and his ways. For all we know, dung beetles may study man and his ways and call it humanology. If so, we'd probably be more touched and amused than irritated. One hopes God feels the same way. Right? Us completely describing this this majestic God beyond us is beyond us. It's too big for us. He's beyond our explanation. But... At the same time, he asks us to keep on trying to discover him. Keep on trying to search me out. Keep on trying to understand me more and more. And so we try. We try with our finite minds to understand it best we can and to comprehend. We've, we had meant, taken many shots at comprehending this three-in-oneness. That we, we love to use images, right? When when understanding logic falls short, we do our best to explain it with images. So way back in the early centuries, one of the church fathers named Tertullian compared the Trinity to a plant. He said it's like a plant. He wrote, it's an image of the Trinity with the Father as the deep root and the, shoot that, the Son as the shoot that breaks forth into the world and the Spirit as that flower which spreads beauty and fragrance. Right? Three parts, three different roles, one plant. Throughout the years, we've all had different images, right? How many of you have heard of the, the, the apple image, right? It's one apple. You got the skin, you got the flesh, you got the seed, and yet still one apple. You got the egg image, right? You got the shell, you got the white, you got the core inside, three in one. I, my favorite image is that of a, of a family, right? Maybe two parents, a mom and a dad, and one child. Right? You look at that family picture and, and the, each of those persons of the family had their own specific individual roles and responsibilities. Each has its own unique characteristics and yet there's just one family. Right? And the, there's basic characteristics and purposes that consistently run through each one. There's a threeness and a oneness. But no, whenever we try and apply these images... We recognize that all of them fall short. At some point, all those metaphors come apart, and we're left admitting that, you know what, we really, we really don't comprehend this all. We really don't understand how God can truly be one and three at the same time. We really aren't good at God's math. But what we can comprehend and what we must understand is the impact of the Trinity on our lives. Right? Believing in, in a triune God and beginning to try to understand God's nature and essence as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together isn't just an inter- in, you know, interesting theological math game. When we begin to understand the Trinity, we discover that there's an impact, a direct impact on our faith and our life. You see, 
in the Trinity, God is saying something about us. God is revealing himself in the Trinity, and he's showing us how we as human beings experience God in our daily lives. Right? We must learn to experience God in three different ways and understand him fully in these ways. We must learn to fall in awe and wonder at the feet of our God who is beyond us. Right? God the Father has revealed himself as the creative God of power and majesty and awe who's filled with justice, who's overflowing with mercy. And if we miss feeling the astonishment and wonder and humility and awe before that God who's way beyond us, then, then we miss experiencing a part of who our God is. And yet we must also feel the love and compassion and real life direction of our God who is among us. God the Son, who revealed himself as one who has experienced life just like we have, who's faced the same challenges that you have faced, who's taught us how then to live and made a way for us to live forever. If we miss seeing God as one who walks with us every moment of every day of our lives, and if we miss hearing his voice today and and feeling his touch today and following his lead walking hand in hand with him today then we miss experiencing a part of who God is God among us today and we must also then recognize the prompting and moving of God within us God the Holy Spirit who has revealed himself in our hearts and in our lives through the conviction that he gives us of right and wrong, through convincing us of the truth of Jesus Christ, through giving us confidence in God's grace and God's love and God's forgiveness given specifically to you and to me. If we miss the active movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, then we missed experiencing a huge part of who God is. So when we learn about the Trinity, we learn about us and and how we experience the full presence of God in our lives. But the truth of the Trinity also says something to us about God himself. You see, when we see God existing in the Trinity. We see this perfect image of a community of love. If you want to see what true love looks like, then look at how these three persons of the Trinity all love each other. Right? There's a humility and a purpose and a grace as they relate with each other. Right? Maybe you want to go back to some of those passages that we read earlier sometime and look at what happens when these three persons of the Trinity all come together. Right? They work together to accomplish a common purpose and they all point to each other in the process. Read through it and you'll see all the persons of the Trinity celebrating each other. Right? So when you look at God the Father, you know, look at his baptism. You see, you see the Father pointing to the Son and the and the father points at his son, Jesus, and says, and says, look at my boy. Isn't he grand? I love him. You should love him too. 
Right? When you look at, at Jesus, the son, you, you'll see Jesus pointing to the father and saying, I, I'm just doing what you're asking me to do, dad. I'm honored to be your son. And, and whatever you ask me to do, I'll do because I love you and I trust you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when Jesus isn't pointing up to the father, getting us to look and see who he is, he's pointing to the Holy Spirit. Read through the Gospels and you'll hear Jesus telling his disciples, especially towards the end of his life, he says to his disciples, I've taught you all that I can teach you, but you just wait because the Holy Spirit's about to come. And you are going to be wowed when the Holy Spirit comes. He's going to turn this world upside down. And when you look at the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit doing? He's constantly pointing us towards Jesus the son that's his job his job is to get us to see jesus and to help us believe if you tune your ears to the words of the spirit you'll hear him saying look at jesus look at what he's done for you look at his love for you come on let me introduce him to you let me help you believe let me help you have faith in jesus the son this trinity is really the mutual admiration society right they're absolutely dependent on each other and they absolutely love and respect and honor each other. And when we begin to comprehend that kind of relationship, we will begin to comprehend who God wants us to be together. You see, in the Trinity, God is saying something about his church, the bride. He's saying something about us as Ivan Rest Church, about those of us gathered in the room here tonight. He shows us the kind of community of love that we are called to be. Because our community must mirror the community of the Trinity. We must have that same humility, that same purpose, that same grace as we relate to each other as God does when he relates to himself. Right, so in this community, in this community called Ivan Rest Church, filled with diversity, we must value the differences of our gifts as together we work towards one common purpose. Each of us has a different gift. Each of us has different gifts so that together we might be one body for one purpose. Right, that's what Paul writes. He says, in Christ, we who are many form one body for each member belongs to all the others. So we must find our role to play in this community and fulfill it because we won't be whole until each one of us does. Right? God wouldn't be whole if he could somehow separate one part of his trinity. We won't be whole if one of us is missing from this community. And then when we are a living, active part of the body, then our job is to respect and honor and encourage each other as together we point towards God. Right? We, we should be admiring each other and celebrating each other just as God is doing. Right? We should be encouraging each other, cheerleaders for each other in kingdom work. We should be encouraging each other as we move forward for the kingdom of God. Right? In all our conversations together, we should be celebrating what Telling each other, look at the lives God has changed, is changing through you. Isn't that great? Thank you. Look at all the people God is touching through your service. Thank you. 
Look at how God is using your gifts in worship or in service or in building community. Isn't that great? Thank you. And on and on we should go, building each other up in community. And yet so often, the church has earned, the church in general has earned a rotten reputation, hasn't it? We've earned a reputation as a community that loves to tear each other down instead of build each other up. Too often we aren't that community of love that God models for us. And when we are busy being critical, when we're busy tearing each other down, beating each other up, we're breaking apart the body of Christ. We're breaking apart the oneness that God has created us to be. If we want to see the kind of community that God has created us to be, then we need to look at the kind of community that the Trinity already is, a community of love, perfect in power, love, and purity. There are many parts, but one body, three persons, one God. Now, I'll be the first one to admit that I don't fully comprehend the logic of God's math. Right? Can I completely explain how 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1? No, I can't completely explain that. I'll never be able to. I have to stand on faith for that. But as I see it, and as I experience that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, as I experience that threeness in the oneness of perfect unity, I get a taste of who he is, and I get a taste of who I'm created to be, who we're all called to be. And as I begin to understand a little bit how one plus one plus one can equal one, I also begin to see that in God's math, one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one still equals one. All of us together, one body with God in perfect community, in perfect unity. Let's pray for that together. Would you join me? Father, you know how our divisions pull us apart so often. You know how, how separate we can be and how sometimes we fail to be the encouragers and supporters that you've asked us to be and we fail to be a community of love together. Father, inspire us, please, with the image of the Trinity, the image of yourself that you have revealed to us. Can we fully comprehend you? No. Can we fully understand you? No. But can we see enough of you to know that you called us to unity? You called us to community together for your purposes. Father, I ask that our community might, might mirror your community. Give us that kind of love. Give us that kind of unity. Give us that kind of encouragement and joy and purpose together so that we might become more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, you stand with me, please, and we're going to respond with a song.